again to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and of course, movie fan views. That's right. This is your podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, and I am joined once again by Rob Dunham. Welcome to our National League Championship Series special edition of Film for Fans. Yes, I may or may not be watching the game while we record this <laughs> podcast. Go Braves. Priorities. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got a great show for you tonight. Uh, we're going to be talking about the war on, with Grandpa, topping the box office, however big that may be. Disney restructuring its entire company around streaming. I think I called that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we will be talking about, well, we will be playing the game of movie quotes. And, of course, our watch list. So, Rob, you ready to get started? Let's do it. So, the first news, uh, The War with Grandpa, B-Tenant. That's right, The War with Grandpa, number one in the box office. At $3.6 million for this week. Whoa, that's a spicy meatball right there. Oh, yes. Yes, big <laughs> news. Um, basically, we have no idea what to expect from box office, especially now that Regal's closed. But, hey, that at least means that people wanted to go see that movie. Enough. Like, people going to see movies went to see War with Grandpa. So, that's a good thing, you know? Finally, you got another movie with, a, with an actual well-known actor. So, it seems like you can at least get some people to the theater still. Yes. It's interesting that uh, I was never much for the on-demand movie experience. Uh, I think that's slightly changed now that I have a projector screen in my house Hmm. because it's not a movie theater, but it feels a little closer. And I noticed this week for the first time that my perception of getting movie on demand has like really changed. Hmm. And and the thing was before I would be like, ah, oh, six ninety nine for a for an on demand movie. Like I'm not even in the theater. Why would I want to do that? And then this last week I was looking at going to see Save Yourselves in the actual theater, and it was like twelve dollars a ticket. And then I looked it up, and on Vudu it was six ninety nine to rent. <laughs> and I found myself thinking, wow, I could watch this movie at home with my wife for like $17 less than if we go to the actual theater. <laughs> hmm. I think I feel better about that. <laughs> I, I, it makes me wonder, we'll talk about later, obviously with the Disney story, but mm-hmm. it does make me wonder if people are, other people are feeling the same kind of thing and starting to move that way a little bit. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm not there yet. Personally. Um, I still very much enjoy the going to the theater experience. Um, it's still, I mean, I don't have a projector in my house, so maybe that makes a difference. Um, but I still enjoy, it feels like I'm out doing something mm-hmm. at the very least. And, and I just, I do still enjoy the theater experience. So yeah, but this, uh, it's, it was good to see that, uh, War with Grandpa did something. So, but the, uh, I think the, the big, the big news that we're going to talk about, um, today was a recent announcement from Disney. Um, and this was made more in the like business world than the movie world, but they announced that they're basically doing a lot of restructuring to the entire company 
in order to focus more intensely on streaming, in fact, they went as far as to say streaming will be their primary focus. Now they're still gonna have theatrical releases, they're still gonna do all that, they're, they're not abandoning this. But that's really interesting that a company as big as Disney is making a full shift to try and focus on streaming. So, I don't know, Rob, they were, they were kind of at the beginning of this trend with um, going straight to, with sending Mulan straight to Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. Um, and abandoning the theaters. They were one of the first companies to abandon theaters. So it's, it's really interesting. Um, are they ahead of the curve? What do you think here? I mean, Disney has always been uh, a driving force in the theater industry. Uh, I've heard them described by many people who work in the theater industry as a bully. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, because they know people come to their movies and they know they're going to make a lot of money and so they have really high demands on theaters as far as screen usage and what can be played before the movies and all kinds of stuff. There's, there's a lot of red tape when it comes to a new Disney movie coming out. And I had thought all along that uh, some studio was going to break off and release a big movie uh, digitally just to see what happened. Um, Mulan, I think, was testing the waters, but I, I was looking for something uh, more substantial because that, that one had a lot of controversy surrounding it, and I think there was more to that decision than just what was going on uh, with the world. I think that uh, the climate that it came out in was also taken into account um, with the things going on in China where a lot of it was filmed. Uh, Disney already announced that they're going to release Soul on Disney+. Plus. And that was a movie that was going to be their big winter uh, animated movie. Yeah. And not only are they releasing it on Disney Plus, they're foregoing the Mulan model. They're not going to release it as a, at a higher price. It's going to be released straight to Disney Plus subscribers, which is really like a big deal. Yeah. Um, Soul might not catch the eye as being a major blockbuster, but those movies are not cheap yeah. so i mean they're they're taking a major step here they're putting their i think they're putting their money where their mouth is by releasing that that way instead of holding it out until next year just hoping that they'll have a an opportunity to actually put it in a theater yeah i think it's interesting that that the the restructure i i'm wondering if if this, and it seems like from the article that a lot of this was inevitable, um, but it's just been fast forwarded given the, the current realities. Um, so I wonder, I wonder how ahead of the Disney timetable they are, how ahead of their original timetable they are for this. Um, whether this would have been three years down the road or, or what. So I wonder, and we'll, we'll get into this a little bit. I wonder if they're, they're kind of out on the forefront for, for the big studios in, in switching their models. Um, and they're kind of prime in position to do so. I question whether or not this is going to work long-term. Like what we've seen from, and I guess we're 
I'll say I'll save I'll save my next point for for when we actually <laughs> we get to later when we actually get to the discussion on this. But I'm curious as to whether this this shift will actually work out for them in the long run. So I think yeah. just in general as a society, we're seeing a lot of shift from physical media to digital media. And yeah. I mean, you've got the bookcase right up there behind you with full of your movies because I know that you like displaying the cases and a lot of people are on the other end of the spectrum and they like to have nothing visible and just have it all in one yeah. place. And we've seen it with music, um, with streaming services and we're seeing it with video games too. I mean, the uh, newest video game systems, next gen systems are coming out with digital only models where people yeah. won't even buy physical copies of games. They'll just download them right onto a hard drive. Um, so the question is, how does that relate to the theater industry? Because when you're going to the theater industry, you're not picking up your, when you go to the movie theater, you're not picking up a tangible something yeah. that you have to take home with you and put up on a shelf. Um, but the theater is getting a, a tangible something, even if it's downloaded onto a hard drive that they plug into a projector. So I, I just find it fascinating how that paradigm is making its way into movies too. Yeah, it's fascinating because you were talking about how media is going digital. What's interesting, and this doesn't really have a lot to do with what we're talking about necessarily, but this is not, that has not been the shift with books. Hmm. Um, it's not the digital, complete digital switch has not affected the book industry at the same way it's done for all, pretty much all the other ones, which I, I find interesting just as a random side note. So. Yeah, so we'll get into this a little bit more here. But uh, yeah, that's, it's interesting news from Disney. And we'll post the article we're talking about. There's a lot of technical and business-related jargon if you're into investing. But, uh, but yeah, interesting stuff from Disney. Enjoy that article, nerds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, readers are leaders. Yes. <laughs> All right, so we're just, Let's talk a little bit about a couple movies that had either cast announcements or movie announcements um, to close out our news segment for today. So um, one, of the, one of the big things was Netflix announced some really big names for one of their upcoming movies. And uh, this, is, this is really interesting. This is like an Ocean's Eleven style cast that we have going on here. Um, so... We've got, in this newly announced Netflix movie, we have Leonardo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, Timothy Chalamet, I'm not sure if that's the right pronunciation, Ariana Grande, Himesh Patel, Jennifer Lawrence. And this is quite the cast for a Netflix movie. I was, I, this, this, this whole trend is really fascinating to me in terms of Netflix and, and other ones, um, just creating bigger and bigger movies. But DiCaprio is really the big get here because he really hasn't done anything with any of the streaming content services. So the fact that he's signing on to this project um, really gives it a heft, I think, that uh, along with the rest of them, uh, Meryl Streep in there as well, like this is, this is going to be taken very seriously. Yeah, I think that we've seen uh, certain actors and actresses be main stars in uh, Netflix movie, like Shirley's Theron mm -hmm. and some other people. 
or a series like Julia Roberts was with Amazon um, and Bird Box as well. Uh, there, there's been a whole lot of that kind of thing, but I don't think there's been a lot of ensemble, no. giant ensemble movies. The only one that I can think of that would rival this would be The Irishman, which came out on Netflix mm-hmm. too. And that, yeah. I mean, that that was a whole different thing with Scorsese and, and everything around that. So it does make me wonder what the actors in Hollywood are thinking about everything that's happening in the world right now too. Because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if they, so many of them would have attached themselves to this if things were better. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's you know? interesting. Yeah. It's interesting you bring that up because there's kind of two mo- potential ways to read it. One is they're looking at where's our next paycheck coming from and, and Hey, we need to get, we need to, we need to book something. Hey, we'll take Netflix's money. The other way to look at it too is, they now view Netflix as a legitimate big movie player. And so they feel good about lending their weight to it. I don't know. What do you think? You think it's more, uh, you think it's more the, the current climate? I think you're probably looking at both things because I do think that there is some uncertainty around uh, just the industry as a whole right now. Uh, I don't think that the thing is, I don't think movies will, be going away anytime soon there's going to be some mm-hmm. medium that they're going to be released on there's going to be some work out there for people um but i do think that they are also building up a reputation as knowing what they are doing and that's certainly not something that was even the case probably two years ago i mean they've made a lot of strides obviously you had adam sandler and, and his crew make several movies for netflix but i I think that we're in a stage now where a lot more name actors are starting to recognize the potential. And I also think that a lot of it has to do with the directors and producers that Netflix is giving the reins to here. I mean, Adam McKay is a big name. Yeah. So there, there's a reason why these actors want to work with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that the more big names that you have and put in those positions to put their vision out there, the more, you're going to have people want to be a part of things. Yeah. And just in case, I don't think I referenced it. The film is called don't look up. So that's, that's the name of the, of this film we're, we're talking about here. But yeah, it's, this just continues the trend of Netflix um, going bigger and bigger into their actual movie production content, as opposed to just being a curator. This is just another step in their evolution as a as an actual movie studio. So I'm going to find it fascinating because I have, like we we said when we reviewed some of the other stuff, that uh, I don't personally don't think that they've produced a great movie yet. And so it will be interesting to see if, as they spend more money, if the quality of the movies continues to go up. Yeah, I think they've had several that are average to above average, mm-hmm. um, which is more than you can say for some uh, production houses. <laughs> yeah. So I think they're on the right track. But yeah, they haven't had. Uh, I mean, some people might argue that the Irishman was that, but it was also super long and drawn out and just not built for a wide audience. Yeah, it's that that one's more you either like it or don't on on that sort of framework. So. Um, 
But uh, they are also saying too that uh, that this movie will, because of the amount they're spending on it, and because of the cast, will most likely end up being a theatrical release as well. So uh, that hasn't been confirmed yet, but it, this probably will be a theatrical release um, in addition to it ending up on Netflix at some point. So that's uh, that's another another wrinkle into into this from from the Netflix standpoint. Okay, so let's move on to another announcement. And this one um, is a prequel to the Mad Max Fury Road movie. Um, this was announced George Miller is going to do another movie. And um, this one will detail the backstory of Furiosa, who was played in Mad Max Fury Road by Charlize Theron. And he has... Uh, it's uh, Anya Taylor-Joy has signed on to play the younger version of Furiosa. Chris Hemsworth is also in this. And yeah, so George Miller is coming back and is doing a prequel on Furiosa. Um, what I found fascinating in the article I was reading uh, about this, I found fascinating is that it looks like George Miller actually he was saying that he actually spent a lot of time writing significant amount of backstory to all of the characters from Fury Road. And so he's got all this material to come back to. Mm. And it's almost, that it's almost sounds almost Tolkien-esque as it were, where he just writes these elaborate backstories that he can turn into other content. So it's interesting that he's gone the, di the direction of moving away from the Mad Max character. What are your, uh, what do you think about it? Yeah, for those of you who don't know Taylor Joy, first of all, she is uh, she was the main heroine in uh, the movie Split, and then in Glass, among other things. Um, and I new think that, that just came out. Yeah, so. I think a lot of people uh, after seeing Fury Road really wanted to see more of Tom Hardy's character. Yeah, <laughs> and more of Charlize Theron's portrayal of Furiosa because there's. Mm -hmm. A lot of untapped potential there, I think, for yeah. a movie after what they did or before. Um, I, it is interesting to me that they're going backwards and going with a younger version of the character. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say that I'm not as excited about it as I would be about another Mad Max movie uh, with Hardy and Theron, but um, that also might be that I am biased <laughs> from really, really liking Fury Road. <laughs> Uh, because th that movie is one we've talked before about movies that uh, surprise you or I should have mentioned this in the episode where we talked about expectations because I I'm not a huge action movie person most of the time. And so my expectations going in to seeing Fury Road were fairly low hmm. and I was just blown away by how it was done stylistically and it was just incredible. Um, and you do not see many action movies like that. Yeah. So the fact that George Miller is involved, you know, doing this movie gives me hope for it. I think that mm -hmm. there could certainly be something worthwhile out of this. Yeah, I think I think I like what you're saying about that because I I was also thinking the same thing. Furiosa was very good, but I was not as intrigued with where she came from in that movie um, and, and her backstory. So. Um, We'll see. I think, I think if it's anything close to the level of Mad Max Fury Road, I will, I will be happy with it. I'll be satisfied with it. 
Um, but I love the fact that he's got all this back content for, for that storyline. I'd love to see, I'd love to see this be a, a great action franchise moving forward. Um, after, you know, it did well in the eighties and then stalled out. Uh, I would love to see this come out and be the next, uh, the next long running action series. If, if he's got enough content for it, but I really do want to, at some point I want to see Tom Hardy back. Yeah. Um, I think that's yeah, we need to see more of that necessary, but I will, I think I will enjoy Chris Hemsworth being in that too. I think there's, there's potential for whatever character he's going to play. So, and I wonder how far back they're going. Um, I mean, you can, you can tell a little bit based on the age of the actresses involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, you know, Hollywood messes around with ages all the time. So it's curious as to how far back they're going to go. So let's, let's talk about, let's, let's revisit our streaming discussion for, for our discussion segments tonight. So with Disney's announcement to focus on streaming with Netflix really beefing up their, their movie production roster, this brings up the question I was having, and that we've, we've talked around this a little bit. Um, are streaming services, or those with robust streaming options like Disney, are they in the best position in the movie industry going forward? So given where we're at, are they, are they the ones kind of who are poised to take the reins of this from the other studios? I think it would be hard to argue that they're not. I mean, they're to get content out to people without worrying about the barrier of health and safety which is a major barrier right now and seems to that it will be one for the um, foreseeable future so when you have a, a way to access a stream of getting things out to people that just a brick and mortar if you will uh, studio might not have I think that you have to say they're in a better position to succeed than some other places. And I also think that the work they've been putting in to their productions and making them better and better also puts them in a position to succeed because they've been gaining more traction, getting more people to pay attention to what they're doing, getting more eyes and subscriptions to their services and the more quality content you put out, the more people are going to be excited. Um, I know that just looking at some of what Disney Plus has coming down the pike with Marvel, with WandaVision, um, mm-hmm. and some of the other shows they have, people are really excited for that. And that's going to drive people to join the service. Yeah, I, I think you're right in that. I think, I think they find themselves in a position where they've been beefing up their, their actual production for a number of years now. So they're still, they're at a place where they're capable of producing things. And right now they have the easiest, most convenient, easiest distribution network right now. Cause your standard studios were still having to rely on, on movie theaters and the deals they were having with various companies like Voodoo or whoever to, to do their pay services. So they don't have as natural an outlet for their content as Amazon, Disney, and, and Netflix do. So I think, 
it's it's similar to i wonder if it's if we look back on this and it's similar to how um like netflix netflix was originally on the front edge of the streaming content um because they started out with their dvd rental and then they were on the front edge of the streaming content um that took away the the kind of the dvd service business and took away blockbusters business and then Blockbuster tried to switch over too late. Um, I think it's easier when you've got your foot in the newest technology to then pivot towards the older one than it is to do the reverse. Um, you can even see that a little bit with Redbox, who has all the all the DVD rentals and is trying to move into the streaming. And I don't, you know, it has not had the same level of popularity that that the that the actual streaming content does so i don't know I, yeah I it feels might... like forever ago that when we would go into a blockbuster and physically pick up a disc and then it's also feels like forever ago when i had a netflix subscription and got three dvds at a time in the mail yeah um so the the shift is is going to be the same in my opinion um mm. There are going to be a few companies that are on top of things and they are going to succeed. And there are going to be other companies like Blockbuster that fade away. And there'll probably be a company here or there that's like Netflix and adapts because (laughs) Netflix very easily could have faded away almost as soon as they became the force they were in the distribution uh, market with sending movies out through the mail. If they had stuck to that and not been willing to move into streaming, which wasn't the main thing when they started doing it and slowly build that and get it to the point where it was sustainable on its own. And the reality is most people today only have the streaming service and they still send discs out, but almost no one does that anymore. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like, I think um, it gives, it gives, Right now, they're they're doing so well and they're poised to do well because they have what you know author Nicholas Nassim Taleb would call optionality, hmm. where you have multiple streams at which you can do. So if one thing gets shut down, you've got another option. Um, so I think that dual that dual revenue stream will really help keep them robust during during uncertainty. Um, one thing I do question is I do question the, the sheer amount of money that is going to be able to be made from big budget movies if it's more of a streaming content only. I do question how you're not, I don't think there's, you're, there's no way you're going to make nearly as much money putting out a movie on your streaming service to your paid subscribers as you would a blockbuster that hit the worldwide theaters. I just don't think you can. So I don't think the theaters are going away. And I don't think that those type of things are going away. However, I think the revenue streams um, from these companies who have the streaming services will keep the companies afloat, which will allow them to potentially rise to the top of markets while the other companies struggle for finding outlets for their content. Yeah, I think the question is less if theaters are going to go away and more who's going to be controlling the theaters yeah. uh, when they have an opportunity to become viable again. Yeah, because I, mean, I, I think the odds that it's 
it's going to be AMC and Regal controlling that market are getting smaller and smaller the more this goes on. Yeah, you can almost see one of these theater chains going bankrupt and someone like Amazon or someone like Netflix then purchasing that though that avenue and then being able to have that revenue straight through so then they would control the entire process from the movie creation to the movie distribution in the theater side to its its final resting place on the streaming i think you could definitely see that happening going down there i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but it you can certainly see that happening plus you have you have a bunch of theaters sitting on hundreds of millions of dollars that they've shelled out from movies that they just keep putting back. And you just wonder how long they can, how long they can hold back the money, you know, cause they're already out the money that they paid to, to film these and, and edit them as to how much longer they can continue to just hold off on not seeing any return on that investment. Okay. Well, we will see what we will see what happens on this. This is going to be fascinating to watch how the industry changes over the next few years. So, Rob, let's play a game. Ooh, games. Yes. So, tonight's game, we are going to be playing movie quote trivia in which we distribute movie quotes and we see if we can answer what film they're from. All right, explain to me how this works. So, read a movie quote, and then you got to tell which movie you think it comes from. Can you guess the movie? Bonus points if you can name the actor or, um, you know, even the scene. Mm. So, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So, here's the first one. A third of a gopher would only arouse my appetite without bedding it back down. <laughs> uh, man, I'm 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 gonna have to guess that that's Bill Murray and Caddyshack. No, that's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A third of a gopher would only arouse my appetite without bedding it back down. That is George Clooney's character from Oh Brother, Where Are They? Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, I, I sense there was something hillbilly-ish about that. You are correct. I should have I should have gone that way <laughs> instead of deranged groundskeeper. Yes. <laughs> but you were you were in the right headspace about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You ready for you ready for the next one? Yep. Okay. All right. There's a there's a box of Twinkies in that grocery store. Not just any box of Twinkies, the last box of Twinkies that anyone will enjoy in the whole universe. So there's a store and there are Twinkies. Do we get, do we get any other clues other than the direct quote? <laughs> All right, I will, give you, I will give you the actor and this okay. you can pull it out. The actor who's, who quotes this line is Woody Harrelson. He's been in so many bizarre movies. Yes. <laughs> he is he is looking for Twinkies. He spends this entire movie looking for Twinkies. 
<laughs> it's kind of a running it's kind of a running side story that comes up periodically throughout this movie. Uh, also I don't know with Jesse I... Eisenberg. Oh man. I feel like I should know what this is, but it's not clicking in my mind. What what right. what is you want, it? You want the answer? Yeah. Zombie Land. Mm. The reason why it's not clicking in my mind is because I am a failure who has not seen Zombieland yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So Although I, mean, I should I should have guessed that because I do know that they were both in the movie, even though I haven't seen it. Yeah. So like I said, I'm pulling these out of out of thin air in terms mm. of of the quotes here. So all right, you ready for the next one? Yeah, let's go. All right. Well, then, I find that smuggling is the life for me, and I would be delighted to kill your friend the maggot. <laughs> oh, I told you before I was going to struggle, and I'm on the struggle bus. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Caviezel is the actor. Vin Diesel? Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel. Yes. What else has Jim Caviezel been in? It wouldn't be an infidel quote because I haven't seen that and nope. that would be way too recent. Um, I'm pretty sure that Jesus wouldn't say something like that. No. So we're going to knock off the passion of Christ. Um, the thing is, I don't know many other movies that Jim Caviezel has been in. It's a historical novel. Ah, The Count of Monte Cristo. Yes, The Count of Monte Cristo. Yes, you are correct. This is the uh, this is the scene where he gets he he finally gets off the island and shows up on a nearby island and immediately gets captured by the pirates, and mm. so they tell him they're going to kill him if he doesn't fight this guy's friend. So, so that's where he comes out. Well, I find that smuggling is the life for me, and I'd be happy to kill your friend the maggot. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's such a well delivered line. I love it. So I don't have a whole lot of these prepared, but I've got one for you. All right. Um, but it's very simple. You might get it really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the line is, wipe yourself off. You're dead. Oh, yes. I know this line. Where does this come from? Oh, I know it. I can picture it. I I feel like any clue I could give you would probably give it away, but I'm going to go with um, Buddy Cop movie. Oh, yeah, Rush Hour. Yep. Yes, Rush Hour. I could, like, I could picture it. I could picture the actor saying it. It's Rush Hour because earlier in the movie, the, yeah. the uh, mafia, the, the Chinese yep. mob boss says to mm -hmm. Chris Tucker's character, wipe yourself off, you're bleeding. Yes. And so when he kills him, he says, wipe yourself off, you're dead. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. It's one of my favorite movie lines ever. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yes, that's a great movie. <laughs> that's a great movie. <laughs> All right. Uh, I got another one here for you. All right. Because yesterday I walked out of the joint after four years of my life and you're cold decking Teen Beat cover boys. That is... Uh... That is George Clooney from Ocean's Eleven. Yes, yes. Talking to, talking to uh, Brad Pitt, who is giving poker lessons to movie stars. Yes, exactly. Right on. <laughs> Among whom is Joshua Jackson, by the yes. way. Yes. Which is just unfathomably hilarious. And also, I believe 
Topher Grace. Matt, Matt was Matt Dillon from Seventh Heaven also in that. Yes. Or was that his name? I don't remember. I think that's his name. Yeah. Uh, was was in on that crew as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great scene <laughs> seeing uh, Topher Grace in that situation <laughs> scenario. And he's trying to pay by check. In a, inappropriate things going on in the background as they're playing their poker <laughs> i believe that's the scene we got to in oceans 11 where my parents said all right we're not watching this movie anymore so ah. you know they didn't make it too far <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> definitely not <laughs> Thinking that's like the first scene of the movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, um okay i've got this is an easy one for you okay but, um, okay I died that day, and you can die too, for all I care. Hmm. I know, I know what movie this is from. I think it's not. It's not one of the major quotes from the movie. It's a movie that is majorly quoted. Yeah. I just can't I can't quite get it. Uh the main actor in it is also the main actor in one of the early iterations of a very popular horror franchise. <laughs> <laughs> well that narrows it down. <laughs> <laughs> well I can't give obvious clues because there's so many that I could give. Um, um you, you you stumped? Yeah. This yeah. makes me feel better about myself. It's the Princess Bride. Oh. <laughs> you were referring to Carrie Elwes and you were referring yep. to Saul. Yep. Okay. All right. Yeah. Man. I feel I feel redeemed now. I feel like the weight is off my shoulders. Yeah. I the first part I of the quote sounded familiar, but I just couldn't I just could not I yeah. could not picture it. And the only the, the reason why I'm able to pull out like a, a second level quote of that movie is because this is not a joke. When I was eight years old, my dad forbade me from saying the lines to the movie The Princess Bride when he had company <laughs> over who had not seen the movie yet, because I could quote the entire movie already. <laughs> and I would do it yeah. as we were watching the movie. So I'm pretty sure that I could come fairly close close to reciting it from beginning to end if you started me off. This is for posterity's sake. So, be <laughs> Okay, last one. You ready? Let's do it. All right. Those of you lucky enough to still have your lives, take them with you. However, leave the limbs you've lost. They belong to me. Well, it's obviously a war movie. I think. <laughs> Not a traditional war movie. Hmm. There's enough there's enough blood and guts to be to to, oh, wow. to, see, to count as a war movie. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's a bunch of chopped off limbs via sword. It is a female making this quote. It's 
Say it, say it again one more time. Those of you lucky enough to still have their lives, take them with you. However, leave the limbs you've lost. They belong to me now. Is it Kill Bill? It is Kill Bill. Yes. Kill Bill Volume 1. Yes. Uh, okay, I think I've got, let me see if, uh, if I've got one more. I'm trying to think of what, what line I want to use. So I will say this is done with an accent, but I'm not going to do it with the accent. <laughs> give it away. Um, very aggressive. Pay that man his money. Mm. This movie started off. Well, I guess it didn't start it off, but it amplified uh, a craze that was beginning to gain some momentum in the world of gambling. You You and I both had several friends who probably got into this game because of this movie me being one of them is it a poker are you talking about mm-hmm. poker? man I'm trying to think if there's the only poker movie I, I can think of off the top of my head is rounders that's the one it's <laughs> nice. john malkovich's character uh nice. giving money to matt damon yeah. And when he says it, it sounds like very aggressive. Pay that man his money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And Had to get through there through a side channel, but we got there. <laughs> yeah. And that movie is uh, the reason why I played Texas Hold'em like every single weekend in college. Mm. <laughs> I My problem with poker is I just have no stamina for it. Like, I'm done after, like, 10 minutes. Like, I oh, I'm not going to lie. There were some nights when we were at, like, two hours at the table and I was still in that I would I would lose on purpose yeah. <laughs> because I was just ready to be done. Well, I never I never played for money. And I just didn't care long enough to do it for more yeah. than like 20 minutes, a half hour. I just yeah. don't care. I mean, we weren't playing – we were playing for, like, 10 bucks. But even yeah. then, when you multiply 10 by 10 people – you know, they're, they're, the winner usually took like 60 or 70 yeah. with them. So that was a decent motivation to stay focused most of the time. <laughs> All right. Well, this is, this is good. And we'll, we'll bring out uh, movie quote trivia later at some point. So let's move on to watch list. Um, so movies that we watched this past week. Rob, you got to see Save Yourselves. You, what did you think of what did you think of the movie? Uh, Save Yourselves was... A really fun movie. I would say that it didn't quite accomplish everything it was trying to accomplish. Um, you could tell it was not a huge budget uh, operation, but in the same way, uh, they did some things to work around that that made it feel probably a little more polished than it than it was um, financially. Um, I would I would recommend it if you enjoy a lighthearted 
comedy about the end of the world. Uh, the ending, I was not a huge fan of. Hmm. Uh, it seemed a little slapdash and confusing hmm. to me. I, I the movie ended, and I I kind of wondered what the point was. Hmm. <laughs> uh, like, uh, and it's unfortunate because the movie as a whole was really funny, hmm. uh, really well written. The dialogue was really smart, and the way it ended just seemed like they couldn't really figure out what they wanted to do because I was left wondering what actually happened and not in a like thriller kind of uh, trying to figure out inception way and more in a like, I'm not really sure what the point of that was way. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that the, uh, do you think that they just kind of wrote themselves into a box or did they just, just botched the ending i just feel like they had this idea in mind of the way they wanted it to end but it just didn't connect with where i thought the movie was going throughout the majority of it like it 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 just it didn't seem to make a whole lot of logical sense you you would have you have to fill in you basically have to fill in your own whole backstory of what happened to them at the end for it to make sense, Mm -hmm. which in certain movies I think is reasonable and understandable, but in a movie like that, that's focused more on being lighthearted and a comedy, albeit about the world ending. It didn't seem to be a movie that would demand that kind of conclusion. Okay. But I would say that, it was enjoyable to watch and I would recommend it. Um, I just think the way they wrapped it up didn't seem to make coherent sense with everything else that was going on. Okay. Fair enough. You will laugh uh, out loud a couple times if you watch the movie. I, I know that. <laughs> yeah, it did seem intriguing. So, all right. So I watched, um, I watched this week, I finished up my, equalizer two so i was able to watch the second of the series and uh, i enjoyed it i enjoyed equalizer two um like what usually happens when you have like a sequel to a movie um the first movie had didn't have a ton of characters in it and it really delved into one specific story and you introduce you to the main actor and then when it gets a sequel then they have to broaden out you have to broaden out the narrative. You have to explore more of the backstory of the main character. Uh, so this movie did that. It explored more of the the backstory of Denzel Washington's character. Um, a little bit about how he became who he became. It, it brought in more people from his life and more people from his his existence. So there was a there was one or two carryovers. Um, but again, it was a, it was a good movie, and I do like the character Denzel plays. I do like him in that role. Um, it there is slight, I would say there's slight credibility issue in that Denzel Washington is not a young man, <laughs> <laughs> and when you're continually physically besting and are faster, and I mean, there's a lot of times where he's like taking knives and he's like cutting people up and stuff like this, and these guys are like ten years younger than him. So like at some point, speed diminishes, <laughs> you know, so there's a little bit of that, but the character, the character's fun. Um, he's, 
he's enjoyable. He has, he has, you know, a definitely a round character as opposed to a flat character and the action, the action is pretty good. So um, I did think some of the, 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 the ending scene takes place in supposedly in a hurricane. And so I thought some of the CG hurricane stuff was a little bit fake looking, but, uh, but solid movie overall. So yeah, so you watch, watch the Equalizer franchise if you, uh, if you get a chance. So Rob, what you, uh, what you watching this week? Uh, I am going to try and watch the movie yesterday that you recommended yes, a while it. ago because I still haven't had a chance to see it. And uh, I should have some time, hopefully this week, to sit down and watch it. I'm very intrigued by the premise being a huge music person yeah. myself. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's well done. It's, it's a good movie. Um, I am going to try and get to the theaters to see The War with Grandpa this week. I didn't get a chance to do it last week. And um, I rented the movie The Hunt. Mm, I saw that one. Betty Gilpin and Hilary Swank. So I'm not a horror movie person, but this strikes me not as your like traditional horror movie. It almost seems more uh, most dangerous game style. So, um, yeah, the only thing I'll say about it is there is a lot of death. So <laughs> be prepared for that. Right, right from the beginning of the movie. Okay. Uh, all the way through until the end. <laughs> okay. I would say, I, w- I would say that you're on the right track, that it's not a traditional horror movie. It's more, um, a movie that is, the thing that makes it horror is that the prospect of it being a reality is terrifying Mm -hmm. and seeing it played out in such a calculated way by the people who are staging the event is, is what makes it scary. So it's not a, a jump scare kind of movie. It's more a, Oh wow, that's terrible. Yeah. I don't feel great about that kind of movie. (laughs) Did you uh did you read the the short story most dangerous game in school? I did uh I might have. It was a long time ago. <laughs> it was it was seriously, it's one of the few short stories I actually remember from from high school. It was I, I enjoyed that. It was a good one. About the uh the guy washes up on an island and it turns out they're the in this island they're hunting people. Mm. And so the idea is that man is is the is the most dangerous animal of them all. So, yeah, it's a little, dropping a little literary knowledge on our movie podcast here. <laughs> All right. You got anything else, Rob? Uh, I don't. It looks like the Braves are doing pretty well, so I'm, I'm yeah. glad that's the case. Base is loaded, though. So, I mean, oh. I, like, I like where we're at, but uh, you never know on this stuff. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's the, uh, that's the podcast here. Uh, thank you for checking out Film for Fans. Thank you for paying attention to us and putting up with us. Um, if you like what you're listening to, uh, subscribe, rate us, share us with your friends, share the links, and uh, keep looking out. So until then, enjoy the movies. <laughs>